Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. We are to be governed and ruled by the book. The church does not stand over the book or beside the book. It stands under the book. Here Joshua was, this great man of God, who God spoke personally to, and he says, you be careful to do everything in the book of the law. The Levitical priesthood was given the book, and they were to govern by the book. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives, so we can be our hands and What does it mean to be governed by the Word of God? As Pastor Ed shares in his message, it is more than just knowing about the Bible or even reading the Bible. We must meditate on it consistently and use it to rule over all of our actions and decisions. Just as Joshua used the book to guide his thinking, Christians would be wise to make more decisions based on what the Word of God says and less on what the world is telling us. Only God's rule can hold the infinite and unchanging truth. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 to 8, it reads, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, then, underline then, then you will be prosperous and successful. What God was saying to him was, you need to be ruled by the book. Think about this. This is the first person God has said to take up the book, and meditate day and night. They didn't have the book before this. Moses completed the Pentateuch, and God says to him, you take Moses' book, and you meditate on this book, this word, day and night. Now, Joshua did not stand over the book. Joshua stood under the book. Listen to me here. Important theology. Important for the direction of our lives. We are to be governed and ruled by the book. The church does not stand over the book or beside the book. It stands under the book. Here Joshua was, this great man of God, who God spoke personally to, and he says, you be careful to do everything in the book of the law. The Levitical priesthood was given the book, and they were to govern by the book. God said to Moses in Numbers 33, 2, And Moses wrote, They're going out according to their journeys by the commandment of the Lord. God inspired. God directed. And God meant this book not to be just commended to us, but we're commanded to read it. 
He meant that this book would not be optional, but it would be obligatory. We are obligated. There they were going to go into a foreign land, a land where heathen and pagans dominated, a land where man ruled, what he thought, what he felt. And God said, Joshua, meditate in this book. Let this book guide your thinking. Let this book govern your mind. Let this book direct your steps. See, we live in a time where everybody is so subjective. We're caught up in moral relativism. We're caught up in a time if somebody thinks something subjectively, that's what they're going to do. If the church thinks something subjectively, that's what they're going to follow. We need to be grounded, grounded in the book. It's what God says about your marriage. It's what God says about your home. It's what God says about your family. It's what God says about the church. It's what God says about your life. We are to read this day and night and night and day, and that ought to govern and rule and guide our lives, not CBS or NBC or ABC or Fox News, not CNN or any of those. It's God alone who governs governs the lives of his people. Hallelujah. Amen. The success of your life is bound up in the pages of Scripture. The success of your pilgrimage is bound up in the pages of Scripture. And that's why God said to Joshua, meditate day and night, because here's where the success is. Not only was he to be ruled by it, and we've been touching on this, he is to ruminate on it. When he said meditate, it gives the idea of saying it out loud. Do you ever go to the wailing wall or ever see Jewish people at the wailing wall and they're sort of shaking and they're muttering? Uh, Oftentimes what they're doing is they're meditating on the scripture. They're speaking it out loud. Listen, get a cassette player in your car and listen to the word of God. Put a CD in your car and listen to the scripture being read over and over. Amen. Meditate on it day and night and night and day. Oh, pastor, I'm too busy. If only you knew my schedule. Well, I'll let Arthur W. Pink speak to you on that. He said, this plea, I'm too busy to engage in regular and spiritual meditation, is an idle excuse. Yea, it is worse. It is a deceit of your evil heart. It is not because you are short of time, but because you lack a heart for the things of God. Whoa! Wow, true. Joshua, if anybody would have had an excuse, the enemy could have given him a dozen excuses. Joshua, you were there in the chapters in Exodus. Joshua, you saw all the events that Moses spoke about and just meditated once a week will be enough. Joshua, You don't need to rehearse that story. How many times do you have to read that, Joshua? You know that backwards and forwards and forwards and backwards. You were right there when all those things happened. Now, Joshua, you have a busy day ahead, Joshua. Look, you got to have battle plans. 
Look at all of these problems that you have to oversee. Look at all of these situations that you have to deal with in the nation. They need your time. Sorry, my door's locked. I'm on my knees. I'm in the Word. I'm obeying God. I'm meditating on Scripture both day and night and night and day. Hallelujah. Church, let's make that commitment to say we will be people of the book. We'll be people of the Word meditating day and night and night and day hallelujah going over and over again in our hearts no matter what's screaming for our attention let's be in the book third point press on to your promised future in verses 1 to 9 God is saying press on Now, verses 5 and 9, God promises them something, his abiding presence, God's abiding presence. Now, he says to him, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. What did that mean? Well, it didn't mean all of Moses' experiences would be Joshua's experience, because Joshua never had a burning bush. Joshua never went up to the mount and was hid in the cliff of the rock and the glory passes by. But Moses never met a man with a drawn sword who said, I'm the captain of the host of God and I'm ready to do battle for you. God will meet you where you're at in your particular need. See, God promises us his abiding presence. He said, Joshua, I'll be with you. Joshua, I'll be with you. And really, that's the most important thing in life, to know that God is with us. I want to know God is with us. I want to know God is in our services. I want to know God is with us in our plans. God with us. Now, go back in your life. Roll back the frames in your mind, to those times that you've encountered God. Do you remember times of special visitation? Remember times maybe it was here at an altar and you prayed and all of a sudden the glory of the Lord just came and you were overcome with the presence of God? Or maybe it was at home and you were alone and you just had the book open and you were praying and all of a sudden God invaded that room and his presence filled that room. Maybe it was some experience where you were in some garden of Gethsemane in your life and all of a sudden the angels of God came and ministered to you but you ought to have a spiritual journal remembering those times of divine encounter where God spoke to you and met with you and treasure those and carry those with you I want to be a temple of the Holy Spirit carrying the very presence of God with me I want to sanctify the Lord in my heart and treasure those memories of God encounters because they give you strength for today they give you strength for tomorrow God said Joshua you're gonna go and you're gonna every place you put your foot you're gonna have that land because I am with you what greater promise what more precious and then he says to Joshua he gives him an abiding promise his abiding presence but his abiding promise 
Think about this. When Joshua opened the book, he saw his name in it. His name was in the book. His name was in the book when Moses said, Joshua, you're going to be my successor. His name was in the book when the battles were won. I believe that your name is in the book. God has initialed your name beside specific, precious promises that were meant for your life. And if you lay hold of them, and if you build your life on them, and if you feed your soul with them, they will make you a promise, a possibility with a capital P. They will bring you into the promises that God has for your life and the purposes that God has for your life and the plan that God has for your life. Dr. Zach Koshi, a good personal friend of mine who's spoken here, gave me a book called A Hundred Bible Verses That Changed the World. And in this book, there's various verses that gripped the hearts of men that impacted their destiny. I believe that Joshua took a hold of that promise. God, you said you're with me. God, you said everywhere I put my foot, I'm gonna have that land. God, here it goes. I'm ordering my steps according to your word. Joshua took that promise and reminded himself and reminded God again and again. Now, in this book, a hundred scriptures that changed the world, I took out three different men that he mentioned. The first was George Washington Carver. He lived from 1864 to 1943. He was born of a slave family and became one of America's foremost agricultural scientists. His efforts helped to free southern farmers, both black and white, from poverty after the Civil War. You know what? He took the peanut and he found 300 products from the peanut. He took the sweet potato and he produced 150 products from that. He was asked, how do you do all this? And this is what he said. He said uh, he was always making something out of something ordinary. He said the secret of his success was this, simple. He would say, it's found in the Bible. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he would direct thy paths. Carver said, my discoveries came like a divine revelation from God. I produced the yolk of an egg from a Puerto Rican sweet potato. Imagine that. Washington Carver took the promise. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Oh, God, give me wisdom. God gave him wisdom. I think of the Morse code. Samuel Morse was one of the others mentioned in this book. He was an incredible artist, but he couldn't earn a living on it. He had developed a revolutionary new invention, but he couldn't find any backers for it. 
And then he said, this is his words, the only gleam of hope, he said, is confidence from in God. He said, when I look upwards, it calms my apprehension for the future. And I seem to hear a voice saying, if I clothe the lilies of the field, shall I not also clothe you? He said, here is my strong confidence, and I will patiently wait for direction from providence. It was in 1843, he went before the U.S. Congress. They sort of laughed at him, but then they gave him a grant. And then from Baltimore to Washington, he developed the telegraph and the Morse code. He is known as the father of American telecommunications. Uh, Imagine a day without email. (laughs) Imagine, you know, no emails. Uh, Imagine... uh, no telegraph, no uh, internet, all of facts and modems, all of those things. He's considered the father of telecommunications. He trusted in God in that dark hour. What verse of scripture has God given you? What passage from the book are you going to hold on to this year? What scripture is the Spirit of God lifted off the pages of the text and said, Here, this is yours. Pray it to. Believe it. One other, William Carey, 1761 to 1834. William Carey took the text from Isaiah 54. Back in England, they believed, let the heathen save themselves. Let's not get involved in missions. He was a cobbler, and he wasn't that good at it. But William Carey had a burden for souls passion for the lost. He became a teacher. Didn't do so good at that either. William Carey had a passage of scripture burned in his heart and he spoke this passage of scripture before a missions board. It's this, enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth thy curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, strengthen thy text. For thou shalt break forth on thy right hand and on thy left and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. He stood before the mission board and said, he, these ministers and said, we got to reach the pagans. And they said, if God wants to save the heathen, he'll do it himself. William Carey wouldn't take no. God gave him that verse. He preached it. It got into his spirit. He volunteered to go to India as a missionary. He went to India as a missionary, spent 40 years in India. He discovered he had a great skill with linguists. He developed six Bibles in various languages. 300 million people were reached through his efforts of translating the scriptures into their languages. William Carey wouldn't take no. Now, I could go on and on. I read about Dave Wilkerson. The first time he was going into New York City to try and reach gangs, someone sitting in the back seat of the car, he said, give me a verse. And the person gave him a verse from Psalms, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he held on to that verse, and he went into New York City in spite of all the opposition that he faced and encountered. And he said their very first meeting, in their very first teen challenge, they had a sort of a picture in that place of someone 
reaping a harvest of wheat. And it spoke volumes to it. Has God given you a word? Has God given you a passage of scripture? Dig in the book. Meditate in it. Focus on it. Let it fire your soul. Let it ignite your heart. Let it propel you into the promised land that God has for you. See, God is calling us not to wander in a wilderness, but to go into the land of Canaan, the promised land. And God wants us to be a people of the promise, a people that obtain great things from him. William Carey said, Attempt great things from God. Expect great things from God. Let's be that way. Church, you're a promise. You're a possibility. Your promise, your future, your destiny is wrapped up in the book. Get into it. Let it get into you. Let it change you. Let it be that lamp to your feet, that light to your way. Let it be fire in your soul. Let it be a passion in your heart. God is still looking for people who will believe him. Will you? Will 2003 be a time that you take up the promise? You take up God's command and you start letting this book get into your heart and soul and mind and being. God wants to redeem your past. Some success might overshadow you, maybe parents or family members, and you might say, oh, how could I ever walk in the shadow of that? Build on it. Maybe it's some failure that's replayed again and again by the tempter of your soul. Cut it. Let God turn that failure into success. In the present, live in this book. It's God's owner manual. Be ruled by it. Ruminate on it. Press on in the promise of God, the promise for you in the future. He promised us his abiding presence. And his abiding promises, they are Yea, and amen in Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did for Moses, he'll do for Joshua. What he did for David, he'll do for you. What he did for John, he'll do for you. God's calling you to be a person of promise. Joshua is one of the most mighty warriors in all of the Bible. From the spies who were hidden by Rahab to the story of the walls of Jericho, throughout this book of Joshua, Pastor Ed will continue to point us to the Lord, sharing with us wonderful insights each time he teaches. Though Joshua isn't a book many study, it is rich with content that we apply to our daily lives as we walk with Jesus. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com to spend some time getting to know us and to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. 
At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Joshua. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores and